This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is an inclusive, socially conscious PR collective that puts their money where their mouth is. They have a current roster of bands that reads like a greatest hits anthology. Brainiac, Catholic School, Jawbox, The New Amsterdams, Oceans in the Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. They also do PR for record labels such as A La Carte, Arctic Rodeo, Steadfast, Rad Girlfriend, and so many more. How do they pay it forward? How do they put their money where their mouth is? By generating thousands of dollars in annual charitable donations to the likes of Women in Vinyl, Coalition of Communities of Color, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many more. The man has the receipts. I've seen them. It is real. The artists, labels, and podcasts Sweet Cheetah works with are curated with an eye on working primarily with friends. You could find Sweet Cheetah on all of the social media platforms, be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Sweet Cheetah PR and they will be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. Hello and welcome to a very special holiday edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. I'm very pleased to have my sometimes co-host and all the time bestie, 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 Tara Van Flower of Lycia. On our combined show tonight, we have the one and only Pat Ogle, Padraic Ogle of Thanatos. Pat has been releasing music as Thanatos since the early 90s with Sam Rosenthal's Project Records. In that time period, he's created nothing but incredible music, uh, be it dark wave, be it punk, be it acoustic based. Consistently excellent, well written music. We love Pat over here. What we're listening to now is from Pat's Christmas EP, which just dropped, entitled Christmas Moments. Incidentally, this is not Pat's first Christmas EP. He had one years ago, back in 2013, called A Very Thanatos Christmas EP. In this episode, we get pretty snarky together. We uh, have a lot of fun, we have a lot of laughs. And uh, I think I cleared up a few things uh, about his time in the music industry and, uh, you know, the way he approaches music uh, and some of the goings-on behind the scenes of some of my favorite albums that he has done, which was a treat, to say the least. Um, I won't bore you with any more of the details. We'll get right to it. But this is Tara Van Flower and I interviewing. Pat Ogle of Thanatos 
on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. And a little P.S. If you would like to become a member, donate a little cash, I'll tell you at the bottom of the episode. Stay tuned. Broken on Tara and I getting very existential and... <laughs> <laughs> so the the mood tonight is very very mystical. And all special. over the place. Yeah, I can't special. believe Tara's all over the place. That sounds that's crazy talk. I know. I'm <laughs> wow. usually so laser focused. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm. I mean, I I guess catching you up on what we've been up to and talking about is a moot point because we're all. <laughs> I have to go get my copy of uh, Being in Nothingness. Or... <laughs> we haven't we haven't gotten that bleak yet, but you know it's it's been definitely uh, uh, apropos for the season. <laughs> but um, I guess I guess the best way for me to start this uh, with you is, believe it or not, you and I have met couple times pat over the years uh at shows and stuff just um, just due to the fact that i I've, I've had a loose association with project doing street team stuff and going to project fest so there's been there's a, a familiarity on my end anyway but i've been well, I, I mean I, I i haven't seen a picture of you so i i, I like peter you know there's a lot of people so, of course, I, of I, course, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not expecting any recognition. Oh, so. <laughs> but what what it, um, what it comes down to is, I've uh, you your music has been in my life since 1993, and yep. um, you know I've I've been more than a casual fan. Just like with Lycia, uh, projects didn't put out too many bands that I was very very interested in, but the ones that did stuck with me. You know, since I was a teenager, Thanatos, Lycia, uh, you know, Love Lies Crushing, you know, the very few, but the ones that did really did. And, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm having a cat problem here. Hold on. That's okay. That's ah. funny. This cat comes in and my greyhound comes in. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I rearranged the front. I'm not, inter- not going to tell you about what I was doing. You finished what you were talking about. I'm not going to talk about my cats. Well, I have, I have quite a few of them, so I feel your pain. But, um, you know, The Endless Night Inside was, was an important one for me. But Blisters, there's that is such a varied and, and you know, amazing journey uh, musically, sonically, because we have the glam of it all, like uh, the, the David Bowie influence, the... the even a slight Bauhaus influence, but even more so, there's just a, a real sense of rock and roll unfettered the way, uh, you know, Bowie would have done it, the way T-Rex would have done it, mixed with everything from electronic-infused things to trip-hop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's... I mean, that, that record, um, it's the only record... I have um, nine records on. And that is the only one that was exactly what I wanted it to be. The only thing I, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be is I actually wanted it to be, it's, it's a fairly short record. And I wanted it to be longer, but we ran out of gas. I heard one night we were there recording, and it's just, we just had nothing left. 
And so it, it was what it, it was what it was. Um, it's also the only record that I don't think I play on it at all. Um, <laughs> I don't play an instrument uh, on that record because it's like the rhythm guitar parts. Like, why the fuck am I going to play rhythm guitar when William Tucker's there? It's fucking stupid. It's, it would be ego driven solely because there is no string instrument I could play better than him. And so why the fuck would I play? Um, and so I didn't. Um, we even had, you know, nobody else plays on that record at all. It's, it's pretty much all him. It's a shit ton of samples too, though. Yeah. Um, so. And like, well, let's take, let's take Dry Grey Whisper, for example. That has as much to do with somebody like soul coughing or or massive attack or one of those trip hop groups as it would with anyone that would have been associated with your music which let's face it anyone who got associated with you back in those days didn't sound like you or like lycia or like you know what i mean like they called it goth they called it dark wave it, well i mean me, i was into goth music i i i, I dark wave was kind of what i hung the name around my own neck because at the time goth was like fucking poison and i keep in mind i love goth and yeah. i listen to all the goth music both then and now mm -hmm. um but at, there was a certain aspect of it that first of all i didn't think it was accurate for the first two records and then i so I, and I didn't know what the fuck else to call it and i, I there, as i've gotten older i was younger then obviously um but I realize you don't have to call it anything um, no. because on the level that I'm working on, you know, who cares? I mean, call it whatever the fuck you want. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. Um, but back then it was like kind of, I don't want them to call it goth because that's like death. I mean, it wasn't death if you sounded like, I mean, there were bands that were doing all right that were goth bands that played like straight up goth rock. And yeah. that was cool, but that's not what I did. And the worst thing in the world is to be popping into a venue to play a show and people think you're going to sound like the Sisters of Mercy. And that's not yeah. what I did. And again, I love the Sisters of Mercy, but Me it's too. not what I did. And so, um, you know, another thing about Blisters is that record, it freed me to work on the vocals a lot better, a lot more. I was very focused on getting the vocals right. We did a lot of really well done vocal molts and we did. We like I really was able to work on that and the lyrics. Um, and I think that that's that album has some of the best lyrics I ever wrote, actually. L lyrically, that's my favorite record, too, um, because there's there are lyrics that I still kind of like harken back to today, like twisting on a gibbet, trying to avoid a splinter. That's a that's an incredibly powerful line that from the time I've heard it until I'm 46 now, it hasn't left my psyche that's that's impressive to me you know that somebody could do craft something like that so effortlessly that it just it plugs uh, in it wasn't, never it wasn't effortless though <laughs> it, it is well, it was effortful um and it's very i don't remember all the details of how that record got recorded but in some cases there was music that tucker did and i wrote lyrics to like splinters is tucker had that chord progression hmm. and um and I wrote the lyrics around that. That was pretty much it. And then other things, I came in with a basic song and he took it and rewrote it. Um, uh, 
but the it was it was not always it's not always an easy thing to like because I but there's there's a point behind those songs like sometimes things I write are like just very abstract and they I think that what you think they say matters every bit as much as what I intended that song is a very specific point that song is about the break of the Yugoslavia is what what is it that song's about really no kidding to me if to me it felt uh almost biblical in a way uh there was something about it that felt very tied to biblical mythology and also just just that the hangman's noose is coming you know like impending doom like there's a lot of like what i said like there's trip-hop influences there's there's a lot of glam influence i think on that record uh, real glam, not not '80s glam, like glitter rock era glam. It, I feel it on that record. It it it's tactile to the experience for me when we oh, were hey. kids. Can you hear me? Okay, there's Pat. Yay! Yeah, I, um, <laughs> my my there, there's something about my browsers that like my computer doesn't doesn't want to let me use certain browsers. But anyway, you're, you're a lot talking, louder now. You were waxing waxing ah. eloquent about blister. <laughs> So. well yeah that and uh, yeah i i was just telling tara i kind of feel bad now because you didn't even play on the fucking thing and i, I said i claimed it as my favorite record <laughs> no no i don't, that's the thing is what i i mean the most important thing i feel like about me being on any record is singing and writing um those are the things that are important and um i i you know i it's not that I can't play. It's just that I happen to be working with somebody who was like significantly better at me and also had like a real vision for exactly crafting that particular record. And it also allowed me to focus on certain things. I mean, a lot of times I do, I mean, I do vocals with like one take mm -hmm. and I, I don't see the fucking point of doing a second take of the vocals. Cause it's like, I've done situations where like the first couple of records we would do like, do it again do it again and i would do it like 15 times and it's like it's, it's all it does is get worse and sure. um, so just <laughs> that does do it and just you know it's like i'm not Pavarotti, you know <laughs> it's <laughs> this is like, what you get right I, you know I, I, it's not i mean I, sometimes you go oh yeah right you know but you know failing that or you just blatantly miss a note but failing that it's like the performance you know, yeah, and I'm not saying I like I nail it every time. Sometimes I do want to go back, but generally speaking, I found that I get it right um, if I'm prepared. Um, I'm not always prepared, <laughs> so. but yeah, I don't, I don't. That's not a problem. That's my favorite Thanatos record too, but it's largely because of the fact that it came out the way I wanted it to, and the reason it came out the way I wanted it would have been much more of a struggle with me playing on it. And so um, I'm glad it, I'm glad I didn't play on it. Um, the first two records, um, the second one's always felt unfinished. Yeah, to me because it was it, both of them have like 25 songs on them, and it, it like I wanted to do different things with that second record. But some of my favorite songs are on that record too. I just always felt there was a lot of stuff that could have been removed from that record there's actually some stuff i consider to be out and out garbage on that record um and part of that was me trying to help some other people who played on that record out and they were like fucking useless and so um uh that's funny 
Yeah, and um, there's no point in calling people out, but it was just it, it's just that um, pretty obvious if you have the fucking record. Um, yeah, the opera in me says different. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know they really are, in my opinion, phenomenal records. But it just oh, I, I love. I, I've never put out a record I did not like. Um, but the other thing is it's funny because I got all I got the first two records transferred to digital and the idea is that you can remix them and then repurpose stuff. And mostly it's for the purpose of like kind of getting it in movies or, you know, fucking in, you know, porno commercials or whatever, you know, I don't know. But it's something that will pay you money for doing it. And the reason is, is you have to mix an instrumental version of the record and a non-version because when they're doing like a commercial or they're doing a tv show or a movie they need an instrumental version as well as a vocal version yeah uh, licensing is weird like that i know yeah and so i did that and i like there was talk i haven't done the embassy to guys record but i talked about doing it and I'm, i probably at some point I, I will um but i have to those are all on tape and so i have to bake the tapes yeah and then pay to get them transferred and then and then i don't i'm not an engineer and so somebody else has got to do all the engineer shit and so it's it's whether it actually happens or not but revisiting some of those and adding to them or baba and there's a wonderful meme out there somewhere on the internet and if you look for it you can find it i'm sure but it's like it's basically saying when you want to add to those old music files you found and it's a picture of like a scottish castle and it has this prefab building attached to the side of it and that's pretty much what that is you know that's just done it's over i'm not redoing any of it it is how it is and so i'm not going back and I'll, I, I, it gets in your like i understand why it happens and it happens to me where you think like i should go back and fix that and it's like Fuck it, it's 30, 20 fucking eight years old. It's over. It's finished. That record is that record. Well, you know what happens too is that people have gotten so used to hearing the crappy version that when you put out the good version of the song, they're like, but I like the original version better. It's like really muddy shit that I you can't even hear the bass part. Okay. Well, th <laughs> this wouldn't be any better, believe me. Um <laughs> Now there's some things where we we, we could change <coughs> tracks and vocals and there's some I mean most of the mixing on those records I think Sam did that and I think he did a pretty good job that's not the yeah. problem um, the problem is is we pulled some backing vocals out and added other ones and did some other shit like that and I just feel like that could change yeah. um, and I, I also feel like insecure vocalists there's something they do. And it's called reverb. Yeah. I mean, and they can make themselves sound. It's like, I sound like I'm singing from the bottom of a well with a fucking bucket over my head. And um, and those records are drenched in it. I don't know what you can really do about that, but maybe something. And I think some of the reverb on, not all the tracks, but some of them could be pulled out. Um, the blisters is, the vocals are dry. They're like reverbless. And um, they're super compressed and dry as fuck. And so there, there's there's that contrast. I guess I was confident enough that I didn't feel like I needed the reverb anymore. What's um, great What's great about them is they were a lot of them are quiet, but still dead out front, which which was a really good production choice in my well, opinion. And and I think I don't remember if I knew this at the, I'd heard this at the time, but I'm pretty sure that I had because I'm from Florida, and so. Tom Petty, uh, you know, I, I hear things Tom Petty said, um, but Tom Petty, 
apparently early in his career, he did an interview. I, I was in like Rolling Stone or something. And he was like worried about it, the quality of his vocals and wanting to bury them in the mix and stuff. And um, apparently he asked Greg Allman about it. And he was like, put them right up front. Boom, right out there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But out front. And I think that's that's kind of been how i feel about it i think blisters the vocals in some songs are mixed a lot lower but that's also by that's also intentional because um there's a certain quality some of those songs where you really want people to go what you know yeah like i really want you to stop and and pay attention um so that there is that on not every song but some of the songs there's there's stuff like that it's funny how i'm, I'm playing some acoustic shows and it's surprising how many songs off of blisters will be included at least in some of those shows um uh feast of snakes which you wouldn't think would translate to an acoustic show but it kind of does splinters definitely does definitely it's well it's built around a guitar a, a, like a, a rhythm riff and it's yeah. a rhythm riff i can actually play um and then um no longer at ease that's the one i think i i wrote all the i think the music is pretty pretty much the basic part of that that's the song i think i wrote most of that one whereas the other stuff i wrote i came in with stuff and it got changed drastically i think that one stayed pretty much the same um i you know blisters would be cool to do but it's a weird tuning i don't know how to fuck i don't know how to tune the guitar here. not only know. is it a weird tuning but it's a weird timing yeah, it is. And I have a hard time playing, as people who've recorded with me can attest or played with me live if it's if it's in like that. Yeah, there's if it's not in four four or three four, there are problems. To no, me, to me there's problems. an there's a very eastern quality to it and it's off time. Yeah. It's so it's it, I don't know what the signature is on that. I want I mean, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to listen to it. I think it's five six. It might be five eights, but I'm not it's but it's it's kind of like almost like a jig. Yeah. It's slowed down, but I think it's that's the that I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I've done other songs like that. There's a song called uh, on the album, the only album I'd never released that didn't come out as a physical copy that was a studio record. And there's a song called uh, "Homage to Catalonia" on it, uh, and I wrote it, and I couldn't play it in time because it's it's, an, it's it's a jig rhythm. I am not that's, Job, right? It is actually on the Exterminating Angel. Oh, okay. I thought Job okay. actually was released physically, but that got released physically. Okay. Yeah, Exterminating Angel um, was never released physically. It was supposed to be, but I actually killed it. Sam wanted to do it, and then one night I got pissy and was like, "Fuck that!" And then I didn't <laughs> release it for years. I, I actually, I think I played a show that was irritating to me for some reason. I was like, "Fuck everybody! I'm not even going to do music anymore. Y'all kiss my ass." And and then like fucking five minutes later, I was like, when I sobered up, I was like, I was fucking stupid. Why did I do that? And then years later, it comes out and nobody fucking listens to it because it was you know, just this out of time thing. It's a, it's, that's another one of the records. I love that record. And not very many people have actually listened to it. But that's all. Yeah, Chris Connolly sings backing vocals. Yes, he does. <laughs> and, um, like a, kind of like a crowning jewel too. Chris Connolly. Yeah. Mm. He sings his backing vocals on two tracks on that album. And I am I, um, and I love him. I think he's a genius. Yeah. Um incredible. But um that that song is it was in I mean, like I can I can play sometimes signatures if you're really like just 
if I just clench my teeth and my colon and just try to bang it out. Um, but for some reason, that kind of jig five eighths Irish kind of sounding stuff is really hard for me to play. You think I'd be able to play Irish fucking songs right now, right? But you know that there's the. I think that you just have enough of that Bob Dylan school in you, where you just kind of adhere to the almost folk traditions. Although, like, it's far from folk. It's it's not that far either, because <laughs> your your country record is my second favorite record of yours, and it's really? a cover's record. And I, I like I, that record, and that record was supposed to be very different from what it was really um, yeah it was supposed to sam was supposed to I, I, sam didn't necessarily agree to do this but this is what was in my head was we were going to take those acoustic tracks and sam was going to add keyboards like like make it a thanatos country record with like weird ambient stuff in the background of the acoustic stuff and um but how we recorded it we recorded it basically live is a live mic on my mouth a live mic on the guitar and then the direct guitar going into the board and um that doesn't necessarily lend itself to that because you can't pan the there's all kinds of reasons why i mean william faith recorded that and yeah. when he when we were done he was like don't add anything to it just release it like this there's like no have you ever done anything that's just all you and i'm like no and he's like just do this just do it like that and and i have spent decades with various artists especially people on project then people i knew later um when they came up with something, they had a plan to do a record that, you know, maybe was going to make a little bit of money and stuff. And I would say, just do a simple record. Just do a fucking simple four track record, like Lycia's records, the, er the earliest ones. Mm -hmm. Like, I had people tell me, like, oh man, Ionia, the pristine recording quality. Didn't Mike record that on a Fostex 424? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, going, yeah, that's pristine. No, it sounds great because he's fucking awesome and he wrote great songs. And yeah. it sounds great because he was freaking really good at working with that primitive ass monkey machine that he had. And he made, and that's to me, I think those kind of limitations like will make great records where if you have all this. And so other people I've talked to, they won't do it. They're like, I'm going to spend 10 grand on the studio. I'm like, yeah, there goes all your money. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix recorded every record except the last one with with the experience on fucking four tracks, man. Yeah, well, back then everybody did because they didn't have anything else. I mean, right. like you know, like like some of those Beatles records that have symphonies on it were recorded on four tracks because that's all there was. Yeah, they just um, kept bouncing tracks. Yeah. But yeah. there's a reason why that country record resonates with me, not just because of the presence and and you know the fact that it is just you which is a very integral part of it but there are two songs on it that uh kind of bookend my life and it's it's kind of incredible that they're included on it because towns van zant is a big touchstone between my mother and i who thank god is still with us but the highwayman song my father and i that's that was legitimately our song and we'd gone to see the highwayman together on that first highwayman tour not and really that song was a big and my dad passed away like couple, quite a few years ago now but that was a that song was a big deal between us that and cat stevens father and son 
So if you put the Cat Stevens song on there, I would have shot myself probably when you put it. <laughs> well, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't fit on the country song, but I will tell you, I've, I've worked on, I was going to do a 70s cover record. Now I'm kind of rethinking that. I'm, I'm just like, well, you know, I don't want to limit myself. I just want to, I might just do another cover record of whatever the hell I feel like. And there's going to be, I mean, I love Cat Stevens. In this Me song. too. Me too. There's the so Cat Stevens songs and, and Al Stewart songs. I always think of them together for some Yeah. Reason. Well, you know what? They're, they were part of that, uh, that whole era of, of, you know, not just love and uh, it was instrumentation with them. They were very much into their acoustic guitars and, and into the, you know, open recordings. Like, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to think of which one of those two guys I like best. I mean, cat year of the cat is very definitely a song that's I've, I can, I play. And, um, cat Stevens, there's so many of them. The one that's been covered to death is the one I, I really love, which is peace train. Of course, but I'm not doing that. I, I think there's a possibility. I might do the, uh, sing out. Um, maybe. What do you think, Tara? Which one? So I wanted to tell you this. I was, I'm like waiting to interject the songs that you sent me to listen to a few days ago. I don't know if you're talking about those yet or not, but, um, Mike was listening to him as well, and he's like, "This sounds like Cat Stevens." Everybody says I sound like Cat Stevens, <laughs> especially now that I'm old and my voice is roasted. <laughs> yeah. So, like, y'all, now that I know that you like Cat Stevens, that would be a huge compliment, then. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound like Cat Stevens. And when we were recording that, when that one of the, the like the once the one there's two Christmas songs is what we're talking about. I, I recorded two original Christmas songs, and I was pulling out teeth trying to write Christmas songs. I've been trying to write Christmas songs for years, and I booked time with William Faith to go in and record them. Well, then they were going out on tour. Uh, his band, the Bellwether Syndicate. Mm -hmm. and so we kind of ran into that you know it was like can we reschedule this and i'm like oh, putting it up against the freaking wire because we got to get it done before the end of september like tomorrow it had to be done so hopefully i need to talk to sam about that make sure it's okay um but anyway um uh um and when, when we recorded that song i was like and we listened we were listening to the tracks back i was like Sounds like fucking Cat Stevens. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it does. Parts of it. Not all of it. He seems you don't let him hear the songs. I think, uh, especially the second one that you shared with me, I think that would be up his alley a lot. The first song, uh, the other one, there's two songs, and one of them sounds like the Dropkick Murphys to me. Oh, no shit. I get <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned the Dropkick Murphys, actually. Speaking of very Irish. I thought song. of you, Peter. And, um, but the flog, I mean, none of that stuff. Like, do I own any records by Dropkick Murphys or Floggy Molly? No, but I've seen them both live and they're really fun to see live. Oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of the MO of those bands. Are like, Well, you, you were always open to that, though. I remember when you were first putting together Precipice Records and you were looking for everything from hardcore and punk bands to. Yeah, and, and I didn't find any. And uh, that was an unfortunate time period for trying to start a record label because it, like, it was like feeding frenzy no i was at the end of like di distribution was dying everywhere and the first couple things i put out i had overseas distribution which saved my ass and then um things went sideways fast and then and then it was like that was when napster and all the digital stuff and it was before you actually got paid people bitch about like oh spotify doesn't make me that much i mean, remember when they didn't pay you fucking anything yeah, yeah stole your fucking music remember that and um and so yes i do because i had to go get a job <laughs> we all did 
We all well, fucking nobody, did, yes. Nobody <laughs> listens to my goddamn music anyway. Everybody can go fuck themselves. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, I, the thing that got me back into doing music, I mean, I didn't do, um, let's see, what was it that uh, the the I can't remember which record it was, but the, both there were two of them. The I Am Not Job record took a very long time to get done, probably like four years, because I was I lived in Florida. I was popping up here and recording and da, 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 da. Greg Lucas, who has a band called Manipulator, just mm. think of Manipulator with no vowels. It's M N L, and you can see his find his stuff on on Bandcamp, and he did a lot of the recording on that. And um, and, but it was like I didn't live here, and I was pot, and I had some stuff already recorded, and it wasn't in very good shape, and had to be fucked with. And then there was I did some songs with a guy Jason Donnelly he lives out in L.A. Uh, uh, he was DJ Puzzle back then, PLP Loops. He does a lot of loop library stuff now, and I'd love to do some music with him, but whether he has time to ever do it with me is a matter of question. Um, but so there's a lot of stuff from different people and trying to get it all together. And then the next record was Exterminating Angel, which was like Chinese democracy. It took like 10 years. And I thought Portland took a long time, but actually that came off the back of that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, Portland. We, I, Portland, I, I released um, Coyote in the Graveyard. Mm -hmm. um, well, the, the Exterminating Angel came out digitally. And then Coyote in the Graveyard came out in 2000 and. 20 and then portland i think came out the next year yeah um but we recorded that in two sessions in in, in portland which is why it's called portland more or less um and then the the country thing came out so i released a record three years in a row which is like crazy see i'm um, the, the thing is i missed out on the coyote in the graveyard record and went right into portland and then backtracked well, Coyote in the Graveyard, I love. I really like that record. That record is the one where I don't really pay hardly any attention to the lyrics at all. <laughs> and the, you know what the funny thing is? That record was supposed to be all peaches and cream and optimism. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the one song, the, the, the title track, and then like the world kind of went to shit. And so it was like, there goes all my fucking optimism. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so the rest of it isn't very optimistic, but it's not really lyrically driven. It's it's like it's it's kind of a peculiar record, but I, I really like I really like um how it turned out. Um it's impossible to play pretty much any of that lot because it's it's it would not work. It's it's all kind of weird. Like there's a song, the song something to tell you is like I got something to tell. It's the same thing over and over and over. It'd be really tedious live. Mm -hmm. Um and then some of the other stuff is like just like a ribbon controller eh, 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 eh. and it's like it just wouldn't be very interesting live either yeah, um, but it's, it's very creative listen uh I, I, I think it's a really good record but it's not I, I i sometimes play the title track and the rest of it never it'll never be i mean if i if i ever lose my mind and put together a band maybe <laughs> <laughs> but so you, you can tell I'll be wearing a pair of underwear on my head. You'd be like, "That's fucking money. Start a fucking live band and go out and play and lose money." Yeah, nope. go, Three go straight up Albuquerque. <laughs> go straight up Red House Painters. <laughs> Just fucking hire a band and implode. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I always hire. Like that's everybody. The, the, the anytime we did the little tours, every it was a hired band. I mean, Tucker mm -hmm. was paid. paid to go out on tour and eric paulson was too and um 
any other little things I did like that, it was the same thing. When I play in town, usually, like just usually people are doing me a favor. But I haven't played live with a band outside of Chicago since the 90s. Um, Jesus. And I, I, I figured out since I moved back here in 2005, I have played four times outside of Chicago. And I played in Portland once, which sucked. And like, I, I'm never get putting myself in that position ever again. It was at a, a dance night, and I wound up the. Oh. Well, it was supposed to be at like eight o'clock, and I'm like, I'm playing at eight o'clock, and then it wound up getting pushed back, and I wound up playing after, like, after it was like all the dance club goth people were there, and they, and the fact is, that, like, I don't, I don't blame the people that come because they don't fucking want to see me, which is why I wanted to play early, and it's like. <laughs> And, and um then they should stay home well no but it was like it was the, it was a goth night that was having a band early it was big yeah i'm not gonna rap. it was ashkelin's being sound checked for like three hours and then <laughs> they were playing and then i played and like they played after and it just ruined the whole guy and like if i were like 20 years old going to the goth place and that happened i'd have been pissed i'd have been pissed and so it's like <laughs> you, you got to keep your fucking shit together in, in in those sorts of situations and then um i played twice i played twice in austin texas and i would go if somebody wants to freaking give me a sandwich to go play anywhere in austin texas i will go there because the people that go to concerts there the, the the young people all of them are fucking awesome i played opening for dj z trip that's awesome holy shit and it's like the guys before and then i get like out with an acoustic guitar and i'm thinking man in Chicago or anywhere else in the country, they bottled me off of the stage and they all sat down and listened. They were cool. And that's what the, the music kind of, I mean, it could be totally different now. It was no, it's a music town. And all, they were, they were always music cool. town. people were coming up to me at record stores and shit. When I was out the next couple of days, I was there and coming up and saying how much they liked it. And they're like, and it just wouldn't fly anywhere else. And so I'll go there, play anytime anybody wants, but I am doing shows. Like, did I mention that? Yeah. Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. And I can predict what, how these shows are going to go in advance, if you'd like, my psychic. Hat. Do it. Or my psychic <laughs> underpants. I can get that. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh is going to go very well. Um, I'm playing with a guy named Dave Dromedy out of Los Angeles, and he's pretty much the reason I'm doing this because he played with Caroline Blind. Yeah. And her and I briefly talked about maybe doing some shows, and it, she had better shit come up than playing with me. And it's hard to it's hard to imagine worse shit than me so playing with me. Um, but then Dave contacted me, and I, I was kind of like, "Yeah, sure, book some shows." And I thought he's going to book me, and then he booked two shows like immediately. It's a little embarrassing because like it took me forever to book Chicago, but that was partly because Sarah booked the show, Scary Lady Sarah, booked the show was out on tour for like a month before you know and so it's like i'm not going to call her up oh you know i know you're in salt lake city in a van <laughs> like brushing your teeth in a bat in a freaking gas station but could you call and book my show for me and you know it's like i'm only going to bother people so much about that but here's my psychic prediction the pittsburgh show is going to go lovely because there's a band called charming disaster are you familiar with them yeah yeah they are man, man, i know dave is playing first i'm playing second charming disaster is playing third and it's a, at a dance macabre it's at a coffee house i think I, i'm pretty sure it's all ages if not i think it's 18 up i don't know i'd have to look at that but i think it and that's always great um so i think that's going to go pretty well i think that'll be a nice show and i'm very much looking forward to seeing charming disaster 
after I listened to their music. And shit. They played here on Friday, and I wanted to go. Nobody would go with me. Like, I couldn't get anybody to go. And I was like, uh, I didn't know where the place was. I didn't feel like going there by myself. <laughs> and um, usually I go everywhere by myself, but I just wasn't in the mood. And so Detroit, I, you know, it's one of those things I went. And so venues, it's like a respectable venue. I've, I've heard, I haven't played there, but I know other people have, and they said they're real professional and stuff. But um, they don't have us listed. Our, we're not listed on the on the website. So yeah. I'm like, you know, not, and I, it's like me and Dave. And I, I've told people repeatedly, like, you do not want me being the main act on any of these things. And people think I'm, like, slagging on myself. But it's like, I know what my, like, best case scenario draw in most cities are 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and now. I could pretty much come up with a pretty solid number. So you really need a third band. And we just couldn't find one. And the same thing in Chicago. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how the Detroit show shows up. The Chicago show is um i don't know it's it's uh it's at g-man Ta tavern which is a cool place and um but again it's just me as the main the final of the two acts and i'm like uh, like really need somebody who doesn't suck to bring people out yeah, to the show. see but like there was a there was a time when you know chicago would have been the spot for you you well, know, I mean, because I, I lived here and I played here and I was always out and about, but I'm like, when you get old, like half the people I knew, knew that used to come out to the shows don't live here anymore. And the other ones, they're all older and they don't go out to shows at all anymore. And so you're relying on younger people. And there's a lot of like the younger people that are into the kind of music. They don't know who the fuck I am. So they're not coming out to see me. But if you had a third band on that bill and and the only reason this, this show, both of those shows, Keep in mind, I am not blaming anybody but me because it was my, I had to find somebody and I just, I just couldn't find anybody right. I found, you know, people would recommend bands and I do some research on them. I'm like, oh, they, they don't draw any more than me. So what's the point? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and so, uh, so come to those shows at Smalls in Detroit and G Man Tavern in Chicago. It'll be very intimate, I have a feeling. Well, you're attacking it as such too, though, correct? You're just going out there with a the guitar, and yeah, and and I, I, I'll be honest, it's like it's funny because that's a real battle for me to do that. Um, it's like walking out there butt naked to me. Like, I would rather walk out there butt naked and do an interpretive dance than walk out with just me <laughs> and a guitar. And that's how I do it all the time now. It's why I don't play that often because it's like do it's, both. I, I mean, perhaps. <laughs> It I always tell everybody they're going to, they're bolting the doors from the outside when I start playing. Um, you know, um, but uh, it, and it's not because I, mean, I think I play, I'm like, I, when I'm on and everything's good, I, I'm perfectly fine and I do well. But like, I break a fingernail and things can go sideways fast. And it's kind of all on you when you're just standing there with a guitar. Because yeah. if you have a band, and you fuck up or you go something goes sideways for you other people can kind of step in and cover your ass whereas if you're just there on your own it's a little bit more a little bit more difficult and um and so it always makes me a little bit nervous and i usually do fine especially when i'm doing what i'm doing now i'm, I'm i have the sets worked out i have been playing like crazy and so i'm not you know i'm not likely to be a total disaster at any of the shows i'm always you know i've 
I, oh, yeah, I usually play fairly well, but it's just I, I would rather have a band, but then I'd have to have a band. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think that the country record came off so fucking well, like as sparse and as intimate as it is that I think so much of your catalog would translate. It's just a matter of translating it. You know what I mean? Some of it, some, does, some, some of it does, some of it doesn't. And sometimes you just kind of have to sit down and try to like there's songs that people would off the first record there that there's a couple people used to request the song my love is death and i i remember one time we were years ago we were playing the eric who played bass for us was like this guy kept saying he needs to play that he needs something and he and he turned to him and he's like pat doesn't know how to play that song like <laughs> i don't know how to play that song he's never played it live he's never gonna play it live and the reason is it i tried and it just it doesn't work speaking of chris connelly i remember when when I met him many, many years ago at the Troubadour in LA, which is also where I met William Tucker. Mm. Um, he wouldn't remember this, but I, I, I basically, there's a song called Spoon Fed Celeste off of Shipwreck. And I said, I love that song. Why don't you play it live? And he was just like, we tried. It just doesn't work. Mm. And sometimes you have a great song. I'm sure there's Lycia songs you would find oh, yeah. that way about, where it's like, it sounds fantastic. It's the best song on the record, but you can't you can't play it live. Can I tell you, Mike figured out how to play Ionia on acoustic guitar. It's crazy. I would love to hear that. I would good. love to hear that too. That's like that's my introduction to Lycia because I got the I got the cassette Me too. When came out when it came. Well, you know the story, Dara. When it came out, I got it and it was on cassette and it just grabbed me. But you know, there were only there were there was a handful of records on that label that really grabbed me, and it was Lycia and Thanatos and Love Lies Crushing. And that was you know who I like. I really like on that on project right now. There's a lot of stuff that's ambient that I think is really high-end kind of ambient stuff. I would normally have cats jumping on me, but they're not right now. For some reason. Um because this is where they go to jump up into the loft. And so I'll be talking to somebody, a cat will run by and jump up behind me. Um, or jump on me when they're trying to get out of the loft. Um Pauli, uh, Paulina Fay. She's such a sweetheart. I don't, I don't, I, I interviewed her. I'm writing a piece for the project website. I haven't finished, I haven't finished it yet, but I thought she, I loved her new record. It's absolutely lovely. I knew her because she used to write to me back in the nineties and we were pen pals. And so I knew her from being an artist. I had no idea really she did music until you know of course the whole project thing but like that blows my mind because i know her as a as an artist yeah i mean i i didn't know i i heard the music and i didn't know she, like what happened is is that sam i was writing some i did you know a cup peter and uh who else did i write about uh the scandinavian guy whose name's eluding me uh, and his it, the, both of those records are fantastic peter fippen's record and then the what's the fucking it's the inversions record and it's a dude all he does is play guitar and it's it's really fantastic kind of experimental ambient ish stuff and but i'm much more driven to kind of vocal music mm -hmm. um this stuff the uh the adelaidean did a record that kind of sounded like lo-fi music as opposed to some of the stuff he does that's ambient and the obviously the lo-fi singing record was the one i like the most but i like the other stuff too so i interviewed him as well but Paul, paulina Fay, i just heard her music and i asked sam to include her on the list of people to interview just because i thought i love the music so much i actually sent her an email saying do you play live and she was like no but i'm like she's not opposed to it and i'm thinking man 
if I could find one more band, hint, 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 to do a show here in Chicago, I would do like a, a mini little show here. I would set it up. But there's mini some people that will never, ever come and play. And <laughs> Tara and I, when we talk sometimes, we, we get we go back to our like, we come up with all these fantastical plans and stuff, but we're never really going to actually yeah. do them. Like, we're going like, to get a magic unicorn and have a festival. <laughs> like just to say, if we ever get past the whatever of playing live, like it won't be Lycia because there's too many expectations with Lycia. People want to hear electric Lycia. Mm. It will never happen because well, you have, like you said, you have, you have a band, you know? So if, will, it, if it happens, it'll just be the two of us, a microphone and a guitar, and that'll be it. Hey. Yeah, it's not what people expect you know it's like yeah you do what you do and it's like that's the other thing is is that no like we're talking about records but we're talking we were started firstly like mercifully we have talked about newer records like portland and stuff like that but like mm -hmm. i don't do many interviews and i've done a couple of podcast things and stuff and most of the time i've done these pot these interviews with people who didn't know anything about what i did that's true. Um, which no, but it's actually cool because they ask about the new stuff. Yeah, you know, whereas yeah, a lot of times with the you know people that are you know they were really into project in the nineties, all they want to talk about is the first two records. Well, the thing is, so is about thirty years ago. I'm not focused on those. What happened? How did you do this on that record? I'm like, like I fucking remember. I was drunk all the time back then. Well, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is like <clears throat> I've been with you from the beginning. And yeah, Blisters is one of my two favorites, but my second favorite is a covers record you just did. That's the most, no, recent record. And that the most record. recent record. And that's it, it's it feels very immediate, it feels very real, and it feels tactile, like a, like it's 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 immediate, it's right now. Well, that record's funny because it it got um I hired a publicist for it, and I've, I haven't had a public. I've never, I, I was a publicist, so I rarely would hire a publicist, but I hired him just to see. And unfortunately, it was like he did a lot of goth stuff, and he, he did everything he could for it. But it was like going to all these goth people who were like, they, were, they didn't know what to do. Either they hated it or they didn't want to do it. And a couple of people who wrote these kind of half-assed, snarky reviews that were like, they weren't trying, they were like not being... One of the guys wrote, I'm going, bitch, I'd slap the shit out of you if you were in front of me for writing that. And it's not because they hated it. I don't mind hate. If you hate it. To, like, I, I, just, I just can't see people who are mealy mouth. If you fucking hate something I did, my favorite reviews are the ones who are like, this is the suckiest shit that I've ever heard. At least they have the balls to say it. I just can't stand people who are like fucking mealy mouth motherfuckers like that. And, or like uh, completely miss the point. Like... Yeah. That that used to drive us crazy because you'd put out this record that's about like this deep thing that you've been through, and it's like walking through the catacombs in the cop. Like, what? Did you even yeah, listen like, to the record? Like, like, no. Fold yourself in half and fuck your own face if you're gonna write <laughs> shit like that. Because in all honesty, when when blisters came out, I was doing a fanzine at the time, and I was, you know, I was doing project uh street team shit too, but you know, that, that record fucking really mattered to me. And I, the review I'd written about it wasn't just like, this is cool. This happened here. Like, <laughs> like, like the stupid ass punk, uh, fanzine bullshit that people do. I, <clears throat> I truly extolled the virtues of it because there was so much of like 
in my opinion, Bowie's Berlin era involved in it mixed with uh, what was at the time current uh, trip hop influence mixed with industrial influence and, and just straight like guitar rock in the middle. And there was nothing about it that smacked of what it got aligned with, which was the, the dark wave and goth stuff. Well, it, was, which... it was a pretty dark record in many ways, but it's also the funny thing about that record is that it's, um, uh, it's also, it's, it's, um, uh, I, I lost my words there for, for a second, but it's like, it's, it's, um, I mean, we, we sat there recording it and we would like sit there and, and like a couple of times I wound up getting so wasted. I couldn't actually sing anymore, but we would sit there and listen to like, uh, we would listen to like freaking, P Funk and Herbie Hancock and stuff while we were yeah. listening to that record, and um, I, I kind of like that. What I like, I'm gonna, I'm working on writing a new record, and I may play some songs out from it. But the idea of the record is, is that to do something different, like vocal stuff. I, I need beat. I need drum beats, and um, I need like a, a, just a rhythm part, a drum rhythm part done. It's, and then to write around that and then add to it. Um, and that's what I want to do, not with the entire record, but with at least part of it. I think it's going to bounce back and forth between kind of a, like the acoustic, like the Portland style. Portland was the first record I did with Sam Rosenthal since Embassy to Gaius. He's on, he's on blisters a little bit, but not a lot. Um, but uh, so we hadn't done a record, a full record together for like 26 years or something like that. And we kind of went back to doing it how we, used to do it it worked just pretty we did two we, we recorded that whole thing in about in about a week over a period like i went out there for four days and then i came back a year later for four days so it wasn't like but there's some there's something about portland that feels very complete and it feels like it was hashed out like there was no half-assing going on embassy to no, guy doesn't feel half-assed either but portland really feels like a solid record yeah, and we we did, and, and it's also like both of us have kind of gotten better at doing stuff. Sam's like a really good producer, and I would like flub a guitar part where I would like, like I have a string dead or something, and I'd be like, "Fuck, I got like." And back in the days of tape, you'd have to go back and play the whole fucking thing again for yeah. that. Yeah, and he could go, "Oh no, wait a second, you plug a note in," and it's like it saves a lot of time when somebody can do. And I know a lot, every you know William Faith did did that a bunch of times for me on this the stuff that you know the country record and this but it's like it's not like you can't do it it's just that it's very time saving to be well, able the to... country record's so warm you would never think there was any uh pro tools correction going on there's a few corrections there's not minor things they're all almost all of those are just like you hit a chord like three quarters of the way through the song and you're like your fingers on you're fretting the fuck you know a, a note or something and so you need to fix it um or to live with it and i don't like living with it there are other friends of mine that are they recorded stuff with me and we're like it's part of the charm of the record it's like no it's wrong <laughs> it's wrong and it can't it will haunt you for the rest of your life yeah and i listen to stuff i won't say which song but there's a song on uh coyote in the graveyard that there's a part on it that the song is really good and there's a there's a missed there's a fretted note in one of the chords and i'm like I can't listen to it. It drives me insane. And what nobody but me notices it, so I won't say the song. What is it? Buzz, it buzzes off the fret it or what? It buzz. It's just dead. There's a dead note. And so it's uh, like, 
and it could, it could sound like maybe I meant to do it, but I didn't, and I know I didn't. So, well, the, and this brings me to Los Angeles '92 to '95 too. They're like another covers thing, which I don't want to like beat the covers. Horse that's, to death. Just, that's just something put out there for fucking Spotify. That's I fun. thought that I thought that was a, just a ton of fun because you're covering body count, like you're really you're stretching yourself like and and getting out of a box that people probably like people like me who kind of grew up listening to what you did like number one it looks like the cover of you know x los angeles yeah that was the idea yeah of course and and you know like interesting set of covers but really like what caught my ear was the body count cover well they're all pulled off of the first couple of records yeah and so it's like Maybe I don't know if there's anything. Yeah, actually, they're all because that's why it's Los Angeles because they were all recorded in Los Angeles. Um, there's a Clash cover, and there's yep. I forget what else. Clash. My first oh, concert was the Clash. Don't fear the Reaper. I think is on there too. Yeah, Blue Oyster Cult. The don't live version of that's way more fun, I think. Uh, but the um, I don't remember. But the body count thing, and I I wrote about this. Because it's like the biggest streaming thing. Like it streams more than all my other shit combined. <laughs> um, but that came out at around at the time that song came out. Remember, everybody went ape shit because a black man wrote a song called Cop Killer. Mm-hmm. Now, forget the fact that he's not saying I kill cops. He wrote a song. Like like David Bowie isn't a fucking spaceman and he wrote yeah. songs about spacemen you know it, it, johnny cash was never in prison and he wrote songs about being in prison in prison so yeah i found it annoying and so i did this mashup of the lyrics from that song and from a bruce springsteen song called um state trooper which is yeah. basically about the same from thing nebraska yeah and i hate bruce springsteen and i think he is like bob dylan who's been hit in the head with a two by four a couple of times and are there good Bruce Springsteen songs yeah the man's been around for 30 years so yeah there's some good Bruce Springsteen songs but I've never been a fan but I was making a point that Bruce Springsteen can say it because he's the boss and he's white and he's white and uh Ice-T and Body Cap says it and it's like the end of the world and so because then, because we, moses came on tv and and he right. was the the head of his label and said die 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 pigs die yeah well and then we but then we we went to get permission and like sam got a cell phone number and called it up and it was and it wasn't a cell phone number it was a, a number and it turned out to be ernie c's cell phone and he asked him like can we use your song and he's like yeah do whatever you want yeah and we sent it to bruce springsteen like through through harry fox or whatever and what we got back from them was like no not like a correspondent saying we prefer you didn't use this because bruce springsteen is you know they sent us a freaking cease and desist order like we hadn't even done anything yet and so i already hated bruce springsteen so, and it it, it 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 pushed the, the release of that record by back by a month because we had to go back and redo it and i wish i had gone in and we just made up lyrics it was supposed to and so it, the whole point of even doing that song was ruined in that because of that and so like then then i had a, a new personal reason to hate bruce Springsteen. and i i just i i've never liked his music i've never liked the whole vibe i've never liked it's almost like the grateful dead kind of stuff like you know if it brings people joy and they love it good more power to them but i hate it i hate with a fiery passion 
No, and, um, I, I, I'm not in the E Street Band, so you're not going to offend but, me. But so I, then the I, um, but then what <laughs> happened is that song comes out, and Damn. there's another there's another point to that. And it's, it, people think you're saying, "Oh, they can't play." No, it's not that they can't play. I just hate them. There's a lot of like, yes, yeah. we play music like crazy. Yeah, but, but they, they blow. hate them. I yeah, hate them. Blow. I'd rather be on they fire than listening yeah. to their music. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. The uh, um, the point is here. You have a hip hop artist does a hardcore song and it is about, a hardcore song it's not a it's not it's not a rap song about killing cops and then i try to juxtapose it with the bruce springsteen song and i do it as close as i could get to like we did a beat and did it almost like a, 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 as close as you know white guy from florida can get to doing like rap it's like so it's like the bad rap of the hip hop artists metal song juxtaposing these two things. And so all of that was ruined by, by Bruce Springsteen and also by me, I could have gone and found a Johnny cash song or something mm -hmm. and done it, but I didn't think of it. So that's on me. I shouldn't blame Bruce Springsteen for that. Well, it's, and it's not the first time <laughs> you've done something hip hop adjacent. I'm going to be honest with you. If we go, if we go back to blisters, and we go, <laughs> you know, Dry Gray Whisper has. Yeah, like, that's not hip hop, though. That's like, that's the, not, that's... The, I'm, the vocal delivery has rhythm or rhythmic tendencies yeah, that are hip hop adjacent. I'm not saying yeah. you wrapped, I'm not saying you wrapped it, but the delivery was so rhythmic and, and definitely so staccato that it had similarities to. But it's it's much more singing than it, it's, it, it is. No, I, I'm not saying you're not singing. You're definitely singing, but there is a delivery to it <clears throat> that 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 lends itself to that. That well, you're, I mean, you're you're very aware of, you know, hip hop and and trip hop and and not maybe directly informed by it, but you can definitely appreciate it. And that's well, no, I, I love hip hop music and going back a long time and i still listen to it now tara and i are talking about that you know i know you like public enemy right yeah i like public enemy but i like a lot of new like you know i mean i like you know i mean chief keef i like chief keef stuff sure. i like um uh, Ken, you gotta like kendrick yeah he's all right i i mean i like uh joey badass mm -hmm. uh, uh what's his name uh saint john i like saint john I, this first time i heard him he's got a it's gotten a little bit away from me um uh in the more recent stuff i've heard it's not bad it's just not the kind of stuff i want to listen to mm -hmm. and um i like political stuff i mean i like stuff that has a sense of humor also I, i'm a big fan of tyler the creator oh yeah he's phenomenal um, he's as punk as it gets though he signs hardcore bands to his label man yeah but you don't you don't like the thing is like generally speaking old white guys should not try to emulate that you can listen to it but don't try to emulate it it's informed terrible. i said informed not emulated yeah. i'm not saying you said that i'm just yeah, saying like yeah. I, and so I, I listen to it but I, I i try to keep it far away from what i what i do musically although tara is putting out a drill album i understand <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, Tara, drill. That's a Chicago thing. Yeah, That's it's a Chicago, a Chicago via uh, England, London, England thing. Go check out. Um, go check out Chief Keith. That's a okay. good start. 
you might like Chief Keef. Um, there's some other guys that the names elude me because I've gotten into them more recently and I've forgotten about them. I do playlists on Spotify and put them out there and anybody can listen to them, but I mainly do them so I remember stuff that I that I've heard recently. And so I have a couple that are pretty heavy on 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 Chicago drill bands and stuff. Um, bands, you know, I'm just a dude. It's not a band. And a lot of times people work in collective groups, you know, that's that goes back to the um and we talked about this, I think, when Tara and I talked. Did we talk about hip hop? Did we talk about like that? The Netflix well, the Netflix documentary on hip hop. Oh, so good. Oh yeah, it's God. great. But the, it, it, it cleared up a mystery that 16 year old Pat needed solved. Because I remember reading about these band, these these groups, these hip hip hop groups out of, out of Brooklyn and out of places. And I read about them. And then I would go to the record stores. And you couldn't find, there were no, you couldn't find the records. And then I found out watching that documentary, the reason you couldn't find the records is because there weren't any records. Nobody would yeah. put out their records. So they were like passing cassettes back and forth to each other and playing yeah. live shows. And all these people were showing up. And the music industry was still too stupid to recognize what they were doing was brilliant. And, um, and you know, I think the like the first record I bought that was anything like that is that very, everybody was my age will say the same thing. It was The Message. Yeah, The Message, Furious Five, brother. And yeah. I mean, a lot of people have bought like Rapper's Delight, which came out a little bit earlier than that, but that's garbage. Um, yeah, it's pop. It's disco. Yeah. yeah. And and um, I didn't think much of that. And, and um, I thought even less of it after I saw the documentary of how it came into being. But that's yeah. a really... It's product. It's product. Yeah, that, that's a really great documentary. And as it goes on, you find, I mean, as it spreads to other places, like I knew, like some of the areas I didn't know much about, like New Orleans, I didn't know a lot about what went on there. I did yeah. know Atlanta, some of the people who came out of Atlanta and obviously New York and LA, but then when they started moving around to other places, it was a lot of stuff like the Texas stuff. I knew some of the bands, like, you know, I mean, New Orleans is not like, I know Master P and that stuff, but like, yeah. I didn't know the whole story of the whole thing. So it was like, kind of like that hardwood highway, hardwood highway show, but for, hip-hop you didn't really know much about the fifth ward uh rap a lot no, records no, I, Texas thing. I mean i knew some of the music here and there like a song here and there but i didn't know the story and like atlanta yeah. i knew a lot a bit more about it see because ghetto I, ghetto boys were a big deal like i knew but, that there were a couple songs by them that i remember they were big mine's playing tricks on me and stuff yeah. yeah yeah but there was there was a, a a deep history of what we now know as horror core yeah, yeah, yeah. That really found impetus in in Houston, in fifth in the fifth ward of Houston, Texas, that you know kind of bridged the gap between what a lot of people would consider, you know, death metal lyrics, embedded in hip hop beats, and and yeah. and shot through the lens of of what people would consider gangster rap. And I don't. To me, it's more like, you know, like a horror film set to beats. Right. And I don't, a lot of times people got really down on the stuff, these lyrics that were violent and stuff, but it's like people like writing stuff about what they saw and what they experienced, like outside their fucking window. I mean, yeah. if that offends you, then go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. And it's yeah. the same thing. Like they're offended by it, but they're not offended by it if it's Johnny Cash and they're not offended by it if it's other people like that. And I'm not, and and so it's so hmm, wonder what the reason is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think, yeah. I think like they hear that. I mean, I like 
um, you know, hip hop music, they're probably like, eh, what the hell? You know, and it's, it's just when people hard. would meet me after they heard the first two records and think I was going to thought I was going to be sensitive. <laughs> the only thing I thought was uh, this guy likes uh, Peter Murphy and probably, uh, you know, David Bowie and T-Rex. You know, that that was what I thought. I'm legitimately. A, I'm a huge David Bowie fan. By the way, I went to see that movie today and I hate I hate it. It was terrible. It, it it's, sucked a it's lot. It's absolute. Out. It made me want to light myself on fire. I wanted to get up and leave, but I'm like, I'm sitting, I'm sticking it out. And it's just. Why? I don't, I don't know. Well, first of all, it's Exposition. not a documentary. It's like, it's structural, just a mess. It's mm -hmm. like they show songs, partial, partial songs, and sometimes almost a whole song. And then they overlace them with bits and pieces of interviews. And then they show pieces from movies he was in and sometimes pieces from movies that he had nothing to do with. And then they do the psychedelic light show thing every yeah. once in a while over the the two, the talking and the music. And there's never any context for anything. They don't really focus on the songs. It's kind of chronological, but it keeps backsliding, but it's not yeah, really. It's, not and it's, chronological. Like, it's, just, it's uninformative. There was maybe one selection of live stuff that I hadn't seen before. And there was other, all the other stuff. I'm like, that's from an album. Yeah. Um, that's from, and it's just like, it was not interesting at all. It was fun. Bummer. It was absolutely boring. And if you can make David Bowie boring, man, you yeah. that, you that's saw. A, that's a talent. Um, I I told my wife it was fruit. It was fruitless exposition. That's that was those, those were my exact like, words. Did you ever see Marlena, which yeah. was the the um, documentary that um, Maximilian Shell did? Mm -hmm. And he did it about Marlena. It was a, he was going to do a, a documentary about Marlena Dietrich, right? Yep. And so at the last minute, Marlena Dietrich tells him, fuck you, I'm not appearing on camera. Mm -hmm. And he's got all his funding, everything's done. So how do you make a movie about Marlena Dietrich where she's not on camera? And he does it and it comes off reasonably well. So all I can think of, because the director is, I didn't realize it's some of the other, some a friend of mine sent me a thing when I was ranting about it on Facebook that, um, uh, you know, he some of the other movies he did and they're quite good. So I'm wondering if like, the the archival material he was given maybe wasn't quite as good as he'd hoped yeah. you know and um maybe that's it but i i just and it's also like david bowie interviews are often not very he was on coke well the coked up parts of it that's fine because i think that's you know i, I don't mind yeah that. yeah but he was up. but he it's was... like but there's all that he's not real informative about himself because he was like it was and, and so it's not it's you know and, and it self-contradicts and things are taken out of context and there's things that he like he says this 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 and this and i'm like i know all that to be demonstrably false at a later date and so it's like and then allowing like the notion of like he did let's let's dance and then was angered by the pop aspects of it and it went back to being experimental well like well then how do you explain tonight and never never let me down yeah and and you know and you know it just it just it just if if you want to discuss the album let's dance at least get into the fact that he involved stevie ray vaughn and then stevie ray vaughn was pissed because in the video for let's dance stevie ray vaughn wasn't even playing guitar in it and there was a big fallout 
and there was like that that turned into a whole fucking thing. Well, I always wonder they they said that that on when Bowie did that tour, and I don't know if this is true, but he offered Stevie Ray Vaughan union wages to go on the tour. Yeah, and he was insulted. And I'm like going, my guess is that's offering somebody something you know they won't take. So they'll go away. Yeah, that's right. that's how that's how it felt, and uh, that's yeah. why I don't respect that album just because I'm I, I like Stevie Ray Vaughan and respect him. I, I don't give a shit about Stevie Ray Vaughan, but I think that record yeah. is, a, is has some very good songwriting on it, um, and it's very well produced. I think there's like songs like Ricochet, um, uh, and uh, Let's Dance are really good songs, and then there's that song that's the uh, there was the cover of the song. That had just right before that record came out, the Criminal World. I forget yeah. what is what is their name? Met Met Metro. Uh, I can't remember the name of the band, but they it was banned. It was banned by the BBC. Mm -hmm. And I always admired the fact that David Bowie right afterwards was like, "Okay, I'm going to do it. Let's see if the BBC bans my fucking song." And of course, yeah. they did it. And so it's like, I always thought that was cool too. That's also a very cool song. I forget the name of that band. I can't remember the name of the band. If there's a Stevie Ray Vaughan album, or I'm sorry, a, a, a Bowie album I could throw away, that's the one. Never Let Me Down to me is the only David Bowie record that I don't like. Really? And there's a couple songs on it that are okay, but I think it's a, a production mess, which is shocking for him because his records are usually so incredibly well produced. I mean, Tonight has like the feel of like the fact that half of it is Iggy Pop covers. Maybe yeah. A, you know, um, you know, nothing wrong with Iggy Pop, but it's just like, it just seemed kind of like, you know, like he had a big contract with RCA or BMG or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, um, and, and that his version, that China Girl thing was, the, <laughs> that was all there, but. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you look at those records, the next three records he did all have Iggy songs on them. Sure, sure, of course. Tonight is an Iggy song, and mm -hmm. then he did Neighborhood Threats on that same record, and then the next record is uh, Bang Bangs on it, and they're all, none of them are particularly great versions of the songs. Um, maybe Iggy needed some money, and David was trying to get him some publishing money, I don't know. That sounds about right. I mean, I'm, that's bullshit. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I... That sounds right for Iggy, because... But we were talking about, um, we were talking about, like, influence like can anybody can you even can you say what your influences are there i can't say no not really because like mike talks about this a lot how when you're a young musician you like want to sound like the bands that you like but then once you're really in it you almost start mimicking yourself like yeah. you're you're no longer influenced by anybody but your own self and like what you do like there's obviously there's people who are huge influences on me on a personal level, but as far as what I do, no, like I have no desire to want to sound like somebody else. That's why, like, it never makes sense to me why there's 18,000 goth bands that sound like sisters and Mercy. Like what I is have, the, yeah, I don't get that. I, that's, I love that. See, like I, I was I, last couple of nights, you know, uh, my friend, Sarah, scary lady, Sarah does a, um, DJs a lot and plays with their syndicate, but um, she does a stream, and I always listen to her stream because she plays the old stuff too. But she yeah. also plays a lot of new goth bands. Yeah, and the ones I really like are ones that they're they're and there's a lot of them that are adding something to the conversation that's not just what you said. That's not just like yeah. Sisters of Mercy and 
Yeah, I, I don't get it either. And I don't see the point. And I understand. And there's a lot of the cookie monster voice stuff, you know, that they do. That's like very, take me, take me. very German or, yeah. and it's like, and I can't remember all the bands that sound like that originally, but it's just like, it's kind of like they exist already. So why kind of, why do that? Yeah. Exactly? And, and it's like Jarbo is a huge inspiration for me on a personal level. But like, why would I even attempt to try to do what she does and like ever even think I could pull that off? Like, what would be the point in that? Well, that's, to the difference, that's the difference between emulation and influence. Well, I try to rip people off all the time. Shut up. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I, I, I like going, I'm going to rip that off. But here's what happens is when <laughs> I'm in the process of ripping a guitar part off, I can't play it like them. And so I do it. It's totally different. There was a song on one of the two, first two records that I was totally trying to cop aha vocals on it. But I can't sing like that guy. So it comes out totally different. And it wasn't like I said, I want to sound like aha. It was like in this particular song at this particular point, that is what the vocals should sound like. And I try to do it and I get it close. And so like I do that kind of thing occasionally but i don't like there's no art it, it's not like i sat down and say i want to sound like i mean you wouldn't take too long to figure out i was i wasn't trying to base my musical career on aha that would be fairly um but there was really nobody i wanted to sound like the, the there were people that i the people that i like david bowie i couldn't i i, I love david bowie like i said every single the only never let me down is the only record i kind of always was like eh, about everything else everything i love i mean that that the literally every single record i think they're all there I, I it's a shocking collection of brilliance from yeah. beginning to end pretty even much. his his last record was it's one of the best things he ever did that's mike's favorite Bowie record it's 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 one of the best things he ever did and i'll tell you what so is heathen they have everybody always ignores the stuff he did toward the end oh, and he's like, incredible heathen's heathen incredible fucking amazing and uh, you know reality maybe isn't as good as heathen or um uh, the one before it, the one right yeah, before it. Yeah, um, that, that's eluding the names, eluding me. Ours, yeah, like ours is probably better, and ours and Heathen are better than reality, but reality has its moments too. But, yeah. um, like to me, I, I had a hard time identifying, like, as a musician, like looking at somebody that, like, they, they, I think, like, they're there's some correlation between them and me. I couldn't get because I'm totally the opposite of theatrical. Yeah, you know, I'm always what I am. And like, if I used to, if I dressed different or was, you know, whatever, it was just because I felt like it. It, it was, the, right. and that was how I was all the time. It wasn't right. dressing up to be, I mean, I might put a slightly nicer jacket on when I was on stage, but generally speaking, I'm always the same. And so I'm not acting. I, somebody once said to me, it was like, I like the person I'm going, that persona you're talking about is just me. Yeah. And, well, so it's very yeah. hard for me to like identify with that. And so a lot of times I kind of more like identified, I also identified songwriters. Like if I, if, if you said who, if you wanted to be able to bring more of somebody into your, what you do, I would be like John Hyatt and John Prine would probably John Prine is this a because it's the song. Like if you can write a song, you can put it into whatever genre you want. I mean, you know, John, there's, there's John Hyatt songs like, you know, Iggy, Iggy Pop fan, something wild as a John Pryan, as a John yeah. Hyatt song. And yeah. um, and so you can you can if you can write songs, and so that's kind of what I 
you know, and of the glam people, all those people, I kind of more identified with older Lou Reed. You know, like after Street Hassle Lou Reed, that kind of like, I was like kind of, he just kind of, first of all, every video you see Lou Reed in, at, like he seems so uncomfortable. He like just yeah. does not want to be there. He's just mm -hmm. like stiff as a board and like, and they're trying to make him dance and stuff. And he's like, Ugh. yeah, he's and, approaching Berlin at that point And he's getting really, really weird in his own skin. Yeah. Well, those red that Berlin is, is like, that's way before that. I mean, street hassle would have been seven. No, I mean, when he legitimately took up residence in Berlin with the rest of them, when they were all kicking around there, Berlin, the record. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm more, I mean like stuff like growing up in public and yeah. And mistrial and all that stuff that era. Cause there's this, there's also this kind of like <clears throat> some of the things sound for the lyrics can be awkward and things can be awkward. And it's just like, I don't care. Fuck you. Yeah. They're awkward. Like when he, like before, right, not too long before he died, like somebody asked him if he was going to write a, I think the question was, are you going to write an autobiography to set the record straight? And his response was what record? And fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> so, and and so I, I kind of identify with him. I, I'm never, honestly, I joke about being a dick, but I'm I'm usually not a dick. I'm actually generally nice to people, unless they give me a reason to not be nice to them. Then I'm a dick. Whereas Lou Reed, I don't never met the man, but, but people I know that worked with him or reporters who dealt with him said he was a giant dick. Sure. Um, and sometimes a lot of musicians don't like reporters, and you know whatever. Man, I don't know. Well, I I can tell you in all honesty, I got a autograph from the man and and like met him uh not not on a real personal level just like signing stuff for us and he was really fucking cool yeah. <laughs> he was really fucking cool so in my opinion he just didn't like reporters well he was i mean there's a lot of instances of him being a dick to people that he was close to too but you know mm -hmm. i mean you know, somebody might watch this and say, like, oh, yeah, well, what about that time? And so, you know, you could say the same fucking thing. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there in the world who are like, he's a dick. What is he talking about? He's not a dick. <laughs> you know, nobody's perfect. No. Um, but his, his, his material from those later years, which sometimes gets dismissed, I think, too. I mean, everybody loves New York and everybody loves uh, uh songs for drella and even uh magic and lost somewhat but they forget about he had some other records that were kind of mixed in with those later day things that had some good stuff on them yeah i remember when people pissed on new york though <laughs> uh, new york was a great record man it, it's, it's one of my favorites of it. you're not allowed to make money i i have gotten shit from people when i say that's my favorite lou reed record like beyond like even over Velvet Underground stuff, which I'm a big Velvet Underground fan. Don't the get me wrong. I love John Cale. I, I love all of them, but if that's you, if you include Velvet Underground records and you had to ask me off the top of my head to say five in no particular order, Lou Reed, Velvet Underground records. And then this is in no order. It would be Velvet Underground and Nico, um, yeah. Rock and Roll Heart, Coney Island Baby, New York, and Transformer. Transformer. Thank you. Thank you. Transformer has there's that none of those records I mentioned have a bad song on them. No, they don't. They don't. And even like if you wanted to like expound upon it and put white light, white heat in there, like the as a sixth, those they're all flawless. Well, I, I, I like all the 
I like all the Velvet Underground records, but they're all wildly different. Like the, the third yeah. one's like a folk record. It's like Bob Dylan. The yep. second one's like crazy town. <laughs> and then the last one loaded sounds like the Beatles. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, you know, I mean, pick a record, it's a different band. And and um, but like the Lou Reed, you know, I love that 70, the, those two records in the mid 70s that were like kind of lots of saxophones. And I thought those records were amazing because it's this kind of thing and this almost jazzy stuff yeah. and somewhere he had a quote where he said when you can't play rock and you can't play jazz and you put them together you really have something yeah and um i wish i could find somebody who could play a saxophone like maybe they could help me out but um, those are they're street records and i think that's what makes them so special but i mean those those records are i mean one of them was produced by godfrey diamond which was yeah. like it was like a disco producer mm -hmm. that was they're slick as hell records and and then the bells is much more kind of it's the bridge between that stuff and the kind of like like grown up Lou Reed stuff and um yeah. uh I've always everybody loves street hassle and I, I think it's okay but I felt like that was like we want the junkie Lou Reed back and that's a transitional so record songs about junkies and everybody's like yay junkie Lou Reed is back and it's like I, you know I, I could live without that um personally um, that was his beginning he started in you know heroin will be the death of me you know like that was the beginning that was his his dad that was like full stop that was where he started right well, he used to simulate like he was shooting up on stage when he was doing yeah. the early 70s shows and stuff so yeah you know i mean you know it, it, it's not like it came out of the blue that people wanted to see that you know I mean? right but i mean we all get over our own you know edifices like this is this is who i emulated then well you need to ch you need to change i yeah. think and i think for somebody like me and i think probably tara i mean tara they have like a thousand times more fans than i have that's a metaphysical certainty um uh, so do most foreigner cover bands uh, <laughs> at the local bar um, but um uh, <laughs> when you don't have a shit ton of fans where you're not like what is the what is my impetus to try to like please the fans please we don't worry about that i mean i don't give a shit i, I worry about pleasing me you've got to listen to yourself at the end of the day it i don't listen to my after i'm done recording them i listen to them for a little a couple times afterwards and then i usually don't listen to them yeah i listen sometimes i'll go back and listen to an old one i'll be like wow this is pretty good i thought it sucked I listened to Estrella, like not even the whole thing, but I listened to a couple tracks off Estrella like a, a month ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, I like that song. I listen to your records. I don't listen to mine. Thank like, you. That yeah. Well, here, Tara's, Tara's solo records. I, I, to, I love that record. Oh, well, there's Before, two I, like, I only have the first one, I think. You only, how many do you have? Two. 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 So I don't think I have the second one. I think I can send you one. The second one is actually better. The second one's actually better because it's 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 going off the rails a little more, and it gets uh, it gets into places that feel like a, a a person coming apart at the seams in the studio, and that that kind of makes it <laughs> that kind of makes it for me. You know, there there there's there's a, a maniacal yeah, chaos. Every time I go into a studio, I record. <laughs> Well, it's it's probably more akin to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> no, no. To me, it, it didn't feel that way. To me, it felt like expression of 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 uh, 
the absence of jubilation like it, like there's 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 a complete like stygian abyss between you and the that finished product sense. you know what i mean like if that makes sense that's a that really good sense. record you know the thing is i like all the lycia records and like sometimes i'll be like i like ionia the best and then i'll start listening to australia i'll listen australia to i like australia the best and cold and i'll be like man like it's like i listen to a di different record and i like um i like it I'm like I'll, it's my favorite record is like different every time i listen to them and the, there's what what's the one you i think you sent it to me it's one of the one that mike did and i don't think there's any vocals on it at all it's very ambient it has like a beige it's a solo record is that the mic is it solo yeah yeah it has kind of like a beige cover what about bleak well you know what bleak i have to admit this and you can ask mike about this i thought like bleak as a side project i thought it sounded like lycia it did, but it's it's. I thought so, that's what you were talking about because so the, that was back in the day when I was the publicist at Project, and so my attitude toward that was like, "Why are you calling this something different? We just spent all this time getting people to know I see, and you're going to call this new great record something else." Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, but I also understand exactly how that is because I have a legal teenage bikini, which is really Thanatos, and I just wanted to be away from the Thanatos name. I, I was. For various reasons i just didn't want i was done with that right. and then i realized it was it was the record was i'm like going as long as i'm doing it that's what it is and i hate the name thanatos by the way it's just hung around my neck right now i can't get away from it it's like herpes it's like herpes. I, I actually love it i think it's great just because of the the whole there's like know. seven bands called thanatos i there's know I band. Have, there's some I, goth band from italy there was there's a, a death metal band chicago um I like the death metal uh, band Thanatos. Yeah, well, the death metal band came, got back together, and I think that somebody somebody started trying to scrub me off of the internet and stuff on their behalf, which I'm like, I don't give a shit. I you just know, the answer as to why that Bleak record was called Bleak and not Lycia. What was it? Mike said that because he wanted a double album and another album out in the same year, and that was the only way he could get it done. That makes sense. Was that in, him and Sam didn't tell me that? But if we could sidestep maybe the idea of, you know, uh, you know, what inspired you, maybe we could dive into what it was that kind of was the driving principle or force that that made Thanatos come together in the beginning, because there has to be that one thing that just makes you want to not only make music, but make music under this guise, this this, uh, you know, bubble like what made that be a, 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 a well what gave I, that impetus for you i mean i started i mean i played music my entire life i have i have i started playing the guitar i've played the guitar for i think 48 years and i've taken you know professional kind of lessons on other instruments like the like the mandolin and some things like that and i always tell everybody i can play every stringed instrument except for a banjo as long as you don't expect me to play them particularly well um so i've always played music of one sort or another whether we're sitting on the on the couch playing it or whatever so it was just it was kind of second nature to me and i wrote for a magazine that sam ran in south florida a music magazine and um and so he and i got together and he he started when he first started doing music we kicked back stuff stuff back and forth with cassettes it's actually funny because to get let him sound like hear what my voice sounded like one of the songs i did was it was southern man by neil young i think 
that's um, pretty awesome actually and uh and so we put out a cassette and that's what we did and it's kind of he had this the label was kind of in conjunction a little bit with the magazine and so it came out and nobody bought it because nobody really bought any of that stuff and um then he started doing black tape for a blue girl i was in college and um i graduated and moved back to South Florida, and I was down here. And then I guess we decided to record. I don't remember exactly. You'd have to ask him where the idea to go back and revisit this and do it a record. But when I was, it would have been 2000, uh, like 1992, 91 or 92. And I went out to LA and recorded the first half of the first record. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, there was no thought process that I recall being involved in. It was just kind of like, like it just seemed like a natural thing to do because I always did music and I'd always been interested in music and I always wrote songs. I just didn't do anything with them. I was always in bands that never played anywhere. Um, when I was in college, we played, but they, you know, some of those songs actually got recycled onto Thanatos too. Actually, at least one, the song "Tell Megiddo." <clears throat> but the original song "Tell Megiddo" started out slow, and then it was like. And I played bass in that band. And then it was like, like it's over sometime. And it was like a, a punk rock song. Yeah. Um, but when we got out there to play, it was like we didn't, there was no bass guitar around. There was no nothing. So we just did it like an ambient kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't really remember anything, any impetus like making me say, I want to do music just because i always did it and i always wrote it i just didn't think anybody was going to put it out and then when sam put that first record out, that, that's why there's like 500 songs on that record because that record came out and it was like i already i've been writing songs for so long i had enough stuff for a bunch of records and i put that record out and we put it out and shockingly enough we started working on another i had the other one the second one already partially written while we were still working on the, finishing the first one and um and i had the idea for it um, the first one is not really a concept record. It's just a collection of all the songs that were written for. Yeah. And some of them are written from Sam lyrics and some of them are written from me, my lyrics. And I usually would write a basic musical part and then he would add his parts. And then the second record is much more me. It's more most like, I don't think there's any Sam lyrics on that record at all. And I think part of that was because Sam was working on some records of his own and he was not going to toss good you know, the lyrics over to me to use. So I had to use my own crappy lyrics. I'm kidding. I, I shouldn't say stuff like that because I'm like, I tend to be self-deprecating and sometimes people are like, oh, but you're a nice boy. I'm like, the truth is I have an irrationally high opinion of myself. And the reason <laughs> I'm self-deprecating is because I realize that my opinion of myself in with regards to these things is irrationally high. So I'm trying to not be a dick by being self-deprecating. It's just my, my theory on the subject anyway. But, um, to kind of like 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 add into your uh maybe irrationally high opinion of yourself blisters is with regard to music i don't have a rationally high opinion of myself in general but l lyrically speaking music. anyway like that is it's not a concept record but it all fits together very seamlessly well, it, it it is meant to be very much on a theme it's 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 very much about getting burned and it's like some of it's personal some of it is is broader and political some of it's about science i mean dry Road whisper whisper is a song about science it's it's about it's about quantum physics actually mm -hmm. um but it's also about the implications of some of the things that were being discovered then about quantum physics 
um, which in some cases now we know really aren't true, but at the time we thought that they thought they were. Um, the second album is very much about pointless, kind of pointless charges, like pointless endeavors. And also how, my belief that, so what? You know? Yeah. Is the charge of the Light Brigade, maybe it was stupid, but is it less brave because it was stupid? No. 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 Jose Marti, you know, people like that. And I, I, I tried to write songs about some of that stuff, like the, the uh, Jose Marti and uh, and the Charge of the Light Brigade, but I already had the song Janissaries, which is very similar. Based, it's based on a particular battle where they knew they were going to get wiped out, and they just yeah. they attacked. They they did attack anyway, and um, the Janissaries were like slaves soldiers in the one of the caliphates i don't remember might have been i don't remember which one to be honest with you um back then i would have known but i was sharper then <laughs> um so yeah i mean I, and the, I i can tell you when the idea to play live jumped into my head and it was actually at the troubadour seeing chris connelly on the shipwreck tour and i was like you know i should fucking be playing this music and i had played live in the past with other things that never nobody really gave a shit about and i was like and I was also at that time already planning on moving back to Chicago because I didn't like living in LA that much. And um, so that's how that was honestly, that was what that record, Shipwreck, and then that show was like, I didn't think, I mean, I, I was fully aware I couldn't sing like Chris Connolly or play like anybody in that band. That band was like, if I remember, Bill Reeflin was playing drums and Tucker on guitar, and who the heck else was there? It was like a, it was like a freaking. They were who's who. They were who's. And they, they were very who. much so. It was like there was nobody in that. Yeah. That live. Good to find people who are competent musicians. To play with you who are younger and can have the time to get away. And I, I don't. I mean, I know some, but I like finding ones that are reliable is the trick. Well, yeah, that's the thing because finding a, a reliable musician is like finding a black pearl and yeah, musicians are all pains in the ass. For, of course, for sure. especially drummers. But <laughs> there's something about like and it this transcends it did three tours. I think we had like five drummers. Yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. And that transcends like hardcore punk or whatever kind of music you're into, no matter what scene you're in, no matter what kind of music you're playing find a drummer good luck i'll wait for it <laughs> you know? well bass players too bass Big players. Ferguson. But bass, 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 players who, bass players who can actually play is another trick yeah that's 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 kind of a i was the bass player in half of the bands i was in but i was also the singer so i was the fill-in bass player i remember that one of the bands i was in when i was a youngster that nobody ever heard of i don't even i don't even remember the names of them when i was in college it was like I remember when this guy I knew in high school came. He was he was delivering a bed to one of my roommates, and he was like, "Hey, you play music, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "We're starting a band." He's like, "Do you play bass?" And I was like, "Yeah." I never played a bass in my fucking life. Yeah, and I just went in there and played the bass. <laughs> That's you know, it's rock music. You know, you know, really only I like I'm going. I can play the bass, but I really only need one string. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like you're joining Fugazi where you have to yeah. like play yeah, I'm everything not, i'm not gonna be i'm not jocko pastorius but i you know right i, I can keep a i mean basic rhythm with a bass <laughs> um, but yeah so i mean I, i'm actually i started to say that i'm working on a new record and i really my idea is to kind of make it sound like that live record but in a studio setting but then have some stuff that's based around 
drum stuff and then do some acoustic stuff. And in my perfect world, I would record some of it here with William Faith, some of it with Sam Rosenthal, and some of it with Jason Donnelly in Los Angeles. And Jason's always like, yeah, let's do something. And then, I mean, he's busy as hell. I mean, you know, has a, a life. And so, he, you know, like it's difficult to get that, put that together. So I may have to find somebody else to do the programming. The problem is, is there, aren't, there are a few human beings who can do programming that I've experienced that are like him. And so if I'm going to do it, but that song, it's a, it's an album called, it's going to be called Love Songs for the Indigent. <laughs> and um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to start on it next year sometime. I'm, I'm already writing it, but I'm going to start recording it sometime next year, I think. And I, it, I mean, I've never, I always say this, but I'm, I'm not, every record could be the last one, but I think 10 is a nice number. I mean, it doesn't mean I'd stop doing music, but doing collections of songs, what's the point of it? Well, it's a singles market now. And just shit out a couple songs and put them up on Spotify and hope yeah. for the best. And, and it's kind of uh, really disheartening for me because all of us grew, the three of us anyway, not all of us in my listening sphere, but uh, the three of us grew up in uh, uh, an album format era. You know, I was born in the mid-70s. Like, I, I grew up... <clears throat> If you're going to listen to a band, you listen to the whole record. Mm -hmm. You drop the needle, side A, maybe you flip it once to side B. People younger than me, they got the CD. But I was a record guy and then on the cassettes, you know, and even cassettes would autoplay to side B. I was of the vinyl era still. You got to flip it over. You got to listen through one mm -hmm. other. But well, I mean, <clears throat> the album experience was important. Well, vinyl was, um, I mean, that was still the thing until I was in college. I mean, I, I was still is to me, but I don't you know. use, I don't, vinyl's just inconvenient to me. It's, I, I don't have anything against it, but I find it to be, and people ask me, why don't you put out the part of the reason I also, I got the, um, endless night inside done as I was thinking of remixing and then mastering it for vinyl. Um, and it's the problem is, is that if you cut out all the crap, the end stuff, which is like the hidden track it's still 55 minutes and that's not really a good, that's a little long. So it's it not really to a record. Yeah. It should be a double record. And it's like, they're just, I just can't believe there's the interest in it. Um, and then there's the delays in pressing now that it's like you put out a vinyl record, even if I could raise the money, then I'm going to wait two years before they get the records back to me. And I just don't, I don't really want to have that hanging over my head. If somebody can tell me how to find a place that'll press it faster, hey, you know, but Czech Republic, yeah, but it isn't. That's not that's not true. They, they're they're backed up for years. And no, so, like, there's there's a company right now that could turn it over in three months. I just yeah, I, but they, they say that, but they're not. Trust really? me, because they just I, I just hit them up for a seven inch that I'm trying to I, do. I mean, if it's changed, it's changed recently. Everybody I know is running into this problem, and the thing is, is that almost all of them go through the same company in the czech republic like there's okay. some places you'll buy from here and they're getting their stuff done by the same company there and there's some canadian places and there's some american places that maybe can turn it around faster but it's really expensive and they're um, they're the lathe cut companies they're not they're not extruding and 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 pressing well, you know, their... lathe, lathe cuts are totally different um, they are yeah um and those those you can get like 10 of them made but it's mm -hmm. like I, I you know and there's there's a couple of places in the united states they're like they'll do it for you but they're like uh we don't send out proofs and we don't i'm like when we don't send out you know test pressings don't test have pressings or anything and i'm just like fuck you 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you $4,000, $5,000. And then it comes and they all are shit. And you tell mm -hmm. me to go screw myself. And it's like, you know, that ain't happening. And so it, it's just a, it's a tough thing to do. And I, I have nothing against vinyl, but I, I and then with the pre re-releasing -re old stuff, Lycia can do it. You have a record company that wants to do it. No record companies want to release my stuff. There's not enough of a market for it. That's so ridiculous. Like, That's fucking ridiculous to me because well, I, re I remember reviewing blisters in my fanzine and people going nuts over that fucking like well, nuts. Blisters nuts. is a like the first two records are one thing. It's the length of the record. Poncho and Lefty, or uh... well, Poncho and Lefty. That's a Towns Van Zant song. That's fucking flawless. Let's face facts. That's flawless. I I, I also like um I, my the song. I mean, you may notice there's two Guy Clark songs on there. And, yeah, um, Magdalene is one. I, I'm not going to do a lot off that record because I just I feel like as much as I say I don't want to, I don't cater to what other people want when I'm playing. When I'm playing live, I'm maybe a little bit different than that. I, I think a lot, like we're playing these goth things and I don't think people are necessarily going to want to hear a bunch of country songs. They're not going to want to hear Chris Christopherson. And shit. They make sense together <laughs> though. To me, they make sense together because they come from the same place. I think punk and old, old country, original country and, 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 and quote unquote goth are all part and parcel well, they're very sonically different i think the philosophy behind them is very very different i, th I think the mood is the same I, I think that like country music a lot of the country music that's on that record were written by people who were like very much the anti-punk they're professional musicians and professional songwriters who were writing songs and recording stuff doesn't mean it was bad but they were doing it as their career and punk rock was very kind of even though it was bullshit the facade was it was kind of anti-careerist kind of stuff so the the philosophy behind the, the true believer punk bands that was true of but there weren't very many of those yeah I mean, let's face it um uh but the the you know the uh um the goth stuff i mean i think i don't know i, I think topically sometimes there's there's things that maybe are the same but i think that's true of almost all kind of rock music we're all singing about people people are singing about you know getting drunk and having a shitty life and sex and fucking i think what i'm talking about physics. oh no wait that's just me I, what i'm i think what i'm talking about is just the murder balladeering of it all um, yeah i mean i mean the the that, where's, where, where does Nick Cave end and Johnny Cash begin? There's a, well, there, I would say where does Johnny Cash end and Nick Cave begin? Well, well yeah, yeah, I, I'm going backwards, but still Nick, in all, it's it's Nick Cave copped on to that a little bit later. Yeah, so I think I mean, and he was very like maybe obviously he did the record murder ballads, right? Um, but I mean, I, I think you know, there's there's just a natural sense of those sorts of that those themes are going to be in all sorts of music if you listen to like norteño music you're going to find those themes yeah. if you listen to like if you listen to like you know all music from almost anywhere that's what those songs if you go back and read you know it, it, it's pointless to read them in translation and that's the only way I've, I've i've ever seen them but if even if you go look at like you know islamic poetry they're writing about the same things you yeah. know and yeah. so um you know uh so it, it, it's a kind of a, you are correct. I mean, I think you're correct. I think it's a overarching thing, but I still think the things are are very different. Now, the point of doing the country thing was to kind of show the pointlessness of genre. 
And yeah. this is something Tara and I have talked about a lot. Like the the genre stuff is like kind of, you know, and it always sounds like we're ragging on goth, and we're we're not. We're just no. ragging on genre is just a way to sell you a t-shirt. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't care about selling people t-shirts anymore, to be honest with you. And um, although if anybody wants to buy a t-shirt album, <laughs> and um, so I don't have to worry about uh, I don't have to worry about. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, it's like, you know, when a music has a dark sensibility, but the thing is, like, people would be like, like, it sounds like folk music. I'm like, play my music for a Pete Seeger fan and see how they react to it. Yeah, it is Pete, not going to be a positive. Seeger, Pete Seeger is is making, you know, protest music. This is. Yeah, but all, it's folk music and any of that stuff. You could go back and say, you know, you know pick another person. You could pick, you know, Pete, you know, uh, Phil Oaks. Phil Oaks or, or uh, even like somebody more polished, like, you know, Harry Chapin or somebody like that. Yeah. But find one of their fans, play them my music and they'll hate it. And, um, or somebody who like listens to like, you know, old English folk ballads, they'll hate it. And, um, and it's because while there are similarities, there's also drastic differences. And I, and the same thing's true of goth, like, you know, goth, like, that's why it was disturbing to play at goth club sometimes when you like are doing this, the style of music that I do, because it, it is very much not yeah sisters of mercy it is i mean it's probably closer to Bauhaus because it's a little more some of it's a little more experimental but because well think, that's because Bauhaus was aping uh, and as much as i love Bauhaus they were aping they were aping a lot of yeah. <laughs> iggy <laughs> and you know that whole thing like the spiders from mars and like that's what they were into that that was the the impetus of 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 well, the whole well, I think there's, there's a lot of punk and there's a lot of punk in that. There's a, there's a lot of all kinds of different things. I mean, it's not an accident that Peter Murphy covered Perubu. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's, I think that, that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I think pretty clearly, like you listen to the, I mean, the guitar, people are like both Love and Rockets and Bows. People are a little more dismissive of the guitar parts on the, in that music than they should be because it's no. not necessarily about. <laughs> Like to me, playing difficult, like Angway Malmstein is really hard to play like that. But I, why would I want to listen to it? I'd uh, rather listen to, to Per Uber or uh, PIL, in my but opinion. The, yeah, well, I mean, some of the PIL guitar players are absolutely amazing. Sure, but, uh, but they, they weren't like overplaying. Right. I but think. I mean, what I'm, what I'm getting at with that is that he was dialing in sounds mm -hmm. that were appropriate and playing the appropriate parts in those songs. And that's what matters is that not not trying to play a lot of notes and that's one of my problems with some of the frank zappa stuff which is it, the virtuosity was like the point and then like yes i always joke about bands like that where like all their songs are nine minutes long because everybody has to get a solo yeah and the drum solo the ukulele solo the <laughs> solo everybody gets a solo you know and it's just like not every song needs a solo and you know, I used to leave breaks in songs for guitar parts and stuff, and because I was like bothered by the fact all my songs were like two minutes long. And um, the Christmas songs, I was like, "There's no breaks in them," yeah, because it's like Christmas songs should be two minutes long. Nobody wants to hear a nine-minute-long Christmas song, except for that Pogues one that everybody likes. Yeah. Fairy tale, yeah, fairy tale. Or fair, fairy tale in New York, yeah. I'm sorry, but I just the, uh, so yeah. I mean. I, it's it's interesting to talk about because like like I'm saying like you're, you're saying like the, there's the links between these and I'm like yeah but there's differences too and it's like but there are definitely I mean there's all music is kind of linked together in one way or another um, and it's funny as I've gotten older 
a lot of young people, and I always find this weird when people are old and they're like, they're angry at some young musician or like, that's Billie Eilish really makes me angry. I'm like, why do you give a shit? What's wrong with Billie Eilish? It's pop music and it's absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with it. And it's like, in some of these people, like I haven't, I've heard some of her music and I have nothing against it, but I'm sure if I kept listening, I would find stuff that I really like. Like Lady Gaga, when she first appeared, I thought it was all gimmick. I but like her. Late, I, I, like do, her. I like her a lot. And she's not the only one. And there's a lot of these people that are making popular music. And it's like the, it makes old people angry because I'm not entirely sure why. Because it's not what we listened to when we were kids. And I'm like, when I was a kid, the music sucked. Yeah. Well, Austin and Foreigner. And that's yeah. why we all like punk rock because it didn't suck. Yeah. We got into punk because it was the antithesis of all the garbage. But when I hear Lady Gaga, I hear Jim Steinman style production, which makes me hear Floodland by Sisters of Mercy. Well, that, and that's no mistake because she fucking loves Sisters of Mercy. Well, that so, song, that, that album she did, that's kind of more, it's the more toned down one. Um, I forget the name, but it's the one with like the, the profile view of hers. Is like, it's very much kind of almost like all that. I'm trying to think of the bands like it's it's like a good version of it's like Jackson Brown you know yeah. I mean it's like that stuff and I, I don't I'm not a big fan of to be honest with you Jackson Brown there's some good songs but it's just like it, that's the kind of music that is and I, and I I admire I mean people are always people are you know Tara and I talk about being shocking people with people we like like and it's not a recent thing I love Shakira like the Dongo oh era is, is a fantastic record i love flamenco guitar so anytime anyone brings uh you know like any that sort of a flavor to pop music i'm going to appreciate well, it well, parts of that of the record that did on the air is, is um i mean some of it sounds like dead can dance sure and um and I and I just think she's a pretty she can be a pretty do I love everything she does? No, there's like there's like pop stuff. I don't love it, but I don't who cares? I mean, I it doesn't I don't get worried about it. And you know, she's a little older. I mean, 20 years ago, she's you know, was when I first heard her, but it's like um some of the the newer stuff that comes out that makes like old people angry just cracks me up. It's like you know, it's not our world anymore. It's yeah, not but also listening to like people like, well, really? Let's let's run that. Let's go look at the freaking the top hits in 1980. It was like Toto, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all that stuff. Furthermore, wouldn't it be sort of disturbing if young people were listening to shit that we were listening well, to? Well, they are, unfortunately. But, but the oh, thing yeah. of it is, like Mike always makes this point. He's like, that would have been like me listening to fucking. Stuff Sinatra. from the 1920s as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, not even Sinatra. It would be like listening to exactly. It would be like listening to Bing Crosby or something. Maybe he's a little weird. And I mean, yeah. I, I'm always baffled by like there's some bands like Misfits that all the kids seem to like. And it's just like to me, I mean, I used to listen to Walk Among Us and what's the one with the skull red skull on it? Uh, uh well, that depends. There's uh <laughs> there's it's, it's the one that came out either right before or right after that Walk Among Us. And to me, they're like the only two records I give a shit by them. And it's like, and they I only really them, had three, man, to be honest I, with you. I saw them live at a riot fest a couple of years ago. And it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was absolutely appalling. And you couldn't even recognize the songs. And he was like, <gasps> I thought man was going to die on stage. You don't. It's just, uh, it's really but great. I, I mean, now keep in mind, I love that record. But I'm like, when I see like young people like wearing Misfits shirts, I'm kind of like, that was like, like, that was out when I was like, it was a little bit before my time, actually. Those records came Me out too. like I was probably 13 or 14 when they came out. Um, yep. 
Uh, when did Walk Among Us come out? 82? 82, 82, 83. Yeah, so I was I was actually I was like 15 or 16. But well, um and let's face the facts is that the people that get butt hurt about what kids listen to now don't have good musical taste. They're all yeah. into like fucking Journey and like Foreigner and yeah. I mean no offense to Journey. Dinos they like, I mean, like Journey is what Journey is what they are. I mean, but Foreigner and all that kind of crap. But like so do you really expect teenagers to be from right now to be listening to that like that should be their choice of music over it's what dinosaur rock they yeah. like dinosaur one of my, rock one of my most commonly repeated things when i'm discussing music is is right now there is so much great music out there and, and i can never articulate who they are because a lot of them are bands i discovered like last week and it's like you know there's stuff that's not necessarily that's been around for like maybe a decade and some change but people like Zola Jesus. Is there anything out there better than Zola Jesus? Absolutely and not. Father Absolutely John not. Misty is like the new Elton John, man. He's like 10. He's better than Elton John. That Holly, he's, Hollywood he's, Forever Cemetery song is... There isn't a thing I've heard by him I didn't like. And I was kind of off put by like the name Father John Misty. Motherfucking stage name. That's the guy from... Get Father out of my yard. And then I saw him and I was like... At like Lollapalooza open in early in the day one time, and I didn't even see the whole set. And I was like, "Oh, he's really, really good." And then I started buying the records, and 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 those are the bigger named acts. There's a bunch of like smaller, smaller bands that are out there plugging away. That I mean, there's some stuff here in Chicago. There's a band called Pink Frost. Is one. Mm -hmm. There's oh, there's a couple other ones that I really think are good. Horse Girl is like this kind of there's somewhere between like the Ramones and post punk. I think it's Horse Girl. They're from Chicago, and um, you know, I mean, there's there's just just listen to some new music, and I'm an old fart, and I'm listening to new music. So yeah, exactly, Terry. Don't get on kids for listening. You're so much worse. That's the the fucking old person thing to say. Oh, everything was better. They do like, about everything. What? It's about everything, though, because like me and my friend Diana laugh about this all the time. Is like you'll see these memes where it'll be like, "Can this kid even use a telephone?" It's like, why would they need to use a fucking rotary dial telephone? Yeah. You know oh, how to oh, turn oh. butter? Do you yeah. know how to like use a laundry mangle when you yeah, were a kid? Like, why would you? How many of these motherfuckers like long for the dial phone? I mean, who wants I that mean, to half an hour to dial a phone number? Why you would know? they know something that's irrelevant to their life? And the thing about like complaining about like they don't teach them cursive writing anymore. Who gives? And first a of shit? all, they do. They, they do. do. And who gives a shit anyway? I don't care. You, you, you won't be able what? to read the doc. The Declaration of Independence and the blah blah blah. You should look at my, they taught me how to do it. You should see what it looks like when I write stuff down. It looks like a monkey wrote it. I can't read my own damn. So I have lyrics I wrote down and I'm trying to figure out what they say. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is that word? Is it yeah. monkeying? I can't tell. And yeah. and so I mean, I, I have no like the, I, I have no patience for any of that because you know what, young people today. Like the people that are that I have had experience being around that are like teenagers to like mid twenties are way better than my generation. A thousand percent. Way better. And, and you know, care about genre that the whole genre thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bunch of shit. It's a bunch of shit. It never that's made my, sense to me. That's my other thing, and I'll tell you when I realize it. My son and I went to this thing called picnic, which is, and I don't know if it still goes on here, but it's in the summer. It's way out in the boondocks. It takes you forever to drive out there. But I think that there was one year where we went to see 
I want to say Lincoln Park was playing, and and but enough, and then there was one year where it was Bush and Yeah Yeah Yeahs and like, there's a bunch of different bands. But they had a thing in the parking lot where smaller, lesser known bands would play, and then they had a big. It's like a it's Tinley Park here, and it's a big like there's seats, and then there's a big grass thing behind it. It's a decent place to see a concert, and so we went, and there was a band like what's that band that's um. Oh, they, they they started out being kind of a little folky, and then they then they started sounding like Led Zeppelin, and the names eluding me. I can't believe I can't remember them. But they were playing, and there were all these guys with backwards baseball caps. And right behind them was Capital Cities, which is, by the way, a fabulous song, and it's a fabulous record. And um, I'm thinking, oh man, these guys are gonna throw rocks at these dudes. And guess what? They're all dancing. Woo! Like, yeah. they didn't give two hairy shits. Like, oh, oh God, I, I can't believe I can't remember the name of it because I love the band I'm talking about. It's like three words. Yeah, and they're a bunch of young guys. They, Yeah. I yeah, and they, and they played this hard rock, and then they played this stuff that's basically disco. And then mm -hmm. there's somebody playing like something completely different after that. And then we're all going in to see Bush and the yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a uh, – was it Bush? Who's the one that has machine head? Is that Bush? Bush. Yeah. Bush. Yeah. And, and, Bush. And what's funny about Bush is not one but two of the members are like like old school members of the New York hardcore scene. Yeah. Are are in Bush right now. And, and I, I was, you know, it's one of those bands I don't know that much about, but when I saw them, I realized I knew a bunch of their songs and stuff. But it's just like that kind of mixing pot of music and yeah. being there with all these young people who were like, they didn't give a shit what genre you put any of these bands in i think i, I want to say um what's that band that's really loud uh oh my god it's hard to sing their songs because you can never it, it's a, one of those bands that sounds like it's a woman singer but it's a dude um the darkness silver sun pickups silver sun oh they're fantastic and they're the loudest band i think i've ever heard in my life it was like i've heard i've seen them two or three times and it's just like i was like my hair was blown back when I saw them, and it's like you don't think that music when you listen to the records is going to be is going to be loud, and you are wrong. It's like yeah, it's like a jet taking off. Their and second album is fucking brilliant. But like that band, and then a band playing disco, and then yeah, yeah, yeahs, and then like I think I want to say like a wall nation or somebody like that was playing too, and it's just like the genres are all kind of we're all over the place and. And that was when I first noticed it. And then I would go to festivals and I would notice the same thing. And I also noticed that a lot of the festivals, whether it was, I, mean, I used to go to all the festivals in Chicago. I haven't gone for a few years, um, partially because they keep having the same fucking dance play. And also because like Lollapalooza is now like, I don't want to see any more ODing 14 year olds anymore. The music isn't the problem. It's the fact that it's just like, it's a, it's suburban teenagers coming into the city to get wasted. And you know what? When I was 14, I did I would have done the same thing. Me but too. I don't need to see it now. Yeah. And um especially the same, dads. It's the same <laughs> bands over and over and over and over again. And so I get kind of tired of it. But like like Pitchfork used to have a day that was a lot of hip hop, and then they would mix in hip hop on uh at Riot Fest. That's where I saw Joey Badass for the first time. And then Lollapalooza would have a lot of hip hop. The second time I saw Joey Badass was actually at Lollapalooza. And um and I noticed the, the kids I was watching, they're like looking at kids, they're listening to like stuff that's basically folk music, and then they're walking over to listen to Joey Badass or they're listening to Saint John or somebody like that early that were early in the day. And um you know, like you said, it just it doesn't the genre crap doesn't matter to them. It does matter to some sub genre people. 
who really attach their identity. There's some people who are like, like punk is all that matters or goth is all that matters. And those people are though. usually difficult. They're like people that have something that's a problem. Even hardcore right now though, um, there's a band in hardcore that is called Turnstile that are blowing up in such a major way. They're on Conan O'Brien because they're involving trip hop. They're involving pop music. They're involving like rap and they're so good at it and it's so well wrought and so well thought out but it's still a hardcore band because the breakdowns are still there it's still fast it's still like gnarly and thrashy but there's they, they really craft it and put love into it and these, these young guys you look at them and a lot of people my age bemoan them but i think on on a a, a really macro level everyone else who's seeing this including my my brother who i i kind of like cut his teeth on hardcore and he got away from it even though it's a part of him uh he called me up one night and was like dude did you see this new band turnstile and he's like he's like into pop music that's what his deal is he's like this this band turnstile is like everything right now. i'm like yeah, dude i know i've been listening to him for like eight years i've heard the mute i've heard the name but I, it's like hardcore and punk rock I, i've kind of felt like that that sort of genre has kind of left me cold in recent years i think it's kind of it, 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 they they'll they'll change your mind um i mean there's a lot of hard rock bands in in recent years that i've actually kind of liked um and there's stuff that kind of like yeah, like you know woven hand and stuff like that i think yeah well, woven hand or rock yeah. bands, but it's not really punk rock like that kind of punk rock thing kind of it seems kind of played to me now if you're adding kind of influence of like you know i'm saying that and i'm saying i like horse girl and they definitely have that sort of vibe for them too um but uh it's a genre maybe i should go back and revisit and listen to some of the newer stuff just because i got sick of it there's so much of it it was just the same shit over i would hear i remember hearing some of the orange county bands when back 100 years ago i'm thinking is this some unreleased clash song and it's like oh it sounds exactly like the fucking clash and it was some yeah op ivy sounded like the clash even though i love op ivy they were like the clash but usually i like songs that tell stories and that's why some of the punk rock bands that i really like they were telling you a story sometimes it was the context of like a um i mean that that's where the protest songs there's a lot of protest songs in that and that the clash the clash, clash not, not just them but a lot of bands i mean the hip-hop stuff a lot of it is like i mean go back and listen to like i always bring up brenda was it Brenda's got a baby. Yeah, the Tupac song, like yep. that's a protest song. That's a, that's a serious song. That's a serious record. Yep. And um, and so I mean, you know, I, I don't know what all the influences are, but it's not shocking that you would hear that in, in. I mean, the you know, I mean, sometimes people used to compare me to bands I didn't know who they were at the time, like uh, John Sebastian. Mm -hmm. like who the fuck is john sebastian and they're like and all the only thing i could figure out that he did that, that i knew was the welcome back cotter thing yeah like it sounded like the welcome back cotter guy you know? <laughs> and then people would say nick drake and i don't get that at all because no I, because nick drake uh he lays on the mellow in it and and he was very depressed like the guy committed suicide yeah it's way th that music is way too depressing for me i can't listen to it well it, um harry chapin's was saying i was listening there was a station i was at uh, out and it was like listening to the harry it was all harry chapin songs and i'm like can you change this because these songs make me want to blow my brains out he it's wrote a like, song about my hometown <laughs> Fifty well, thousand pounds of banana. cats in the crane what's the other one that one about uh 
I was gone. She was gonna be an actress, and I was gonna learn to fly my coin. Turn this shit off, man. Anyway, good talking to you guys. Likewise, likewise. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye Tara. Bye. Night, guys. See ya. See ya. And there it is, folks. Part, just part of a very, very long and incredible conversation with Pat Ogle. Um, <clears throat> this is one of those episodes that took a very, very big chunk of time because we just got into a rhythm <clears throat> and we stayed in that rhythm. So if you are a subscriber to this podcast, you can get that entire interview uncut commercial free the whole thing all you have to do is either head over to my instagram or facebook <clears throat> or you can head over to wherever you listen to podcasts and you could find where to go to to support the book of very very bad things in doing so if you support us at the monthly or yearly level you get one at least one extra episode per month you get the soundtrack compilation that has just about everyone from season one of the podcast giving a song um also you will have the opportunity to shop in a members only store that will be dropping in the new year we'll have t-shirts sweatshirts um fanzines all sorts of goodies for you fine folks <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's uh, it's getting around that time of year. I'm starting to get a little verklempt. I get, I get a little head cold and my voice goes to crap. It happens. But anyway, listen, folks. The best thing you can do to support this podcast outside of financially, and probably more importantly, is to share my social media content. Tell your friends about the podcast. Rate it, review it, and hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts that lets all the other listeners and uh, advertisers and pretty much everyone on earth know that this podcast is something you enjoy it's like a vote it's democratic it's the only thing left that truly is democratic you can vote by enjoying just hit the like button hit the subscribe button we would appreciate it I already do so from all of us at 3.33 a.m. Studios. This has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. She's been Tara. He's been Pat. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. Good night, everyone. And a big shout out to Word for Word Interpretation for continuing to support this endeavor of ours. Go look for them at www.word4wordinterpretation.com. And I hope you're enjoying your holidays. I'll talk to you soon. We have another episode coming up this Saturday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>